Hello everyone, this is Speaking Up, Surviving Religions and Cults, and I'm so excited to introduce the next guest who is Dee Murphy, and she is one of the hosts on the podcast called Stacy's Mom Podcast, and her daughter was on an earlier episode in season two, it was called Apostasy, that's what she goes as online, and they have a YouTube show out, which I'm linking in the bio of this episode and when we recorded this the show did not exist so we talk about it as if it's not out yet but it actually is out so please check out this show but please enjoy this interview with d murphy yeah that's fascinating because for me the environment i grew up in it was just boring period the whole thing it was just they would pick the same five or six hymns they repeat all the time. I mean, it was just like piano and organ. Oh, and yuck. that was it. Yeah, no, that was what we called the dry churches. Yes. You were not really saved. Sorry. <laughs> we felt sorry for you because you were not saved. You were definitely going to burn. <laughs> I think it is so hilarious how each church or denomination looks at the other. And says, yeah. you're going to hell because you're doing yeah. this. And yeah. we're the ones that are right. And it that was, was funny. Crazy, right? And there was times yeah. I actually would sit back and think, how did, okay, this is true. I used to think, why on earth are we the ones so lucky that we're the ones who have the answers? And if there's really a God, why the heck did he choose me? Because I don't even believe any of this crap. And I honestly, there was times where I really wanted to believe. And I knew there were people honestly and earnestly praying for miracles. And if I was sitting in a service where people were honestly praying for true miracles, I would sit there and I'd be like, okay, if you're actually there, please don't let my unbelief stop you from giving them their miracle. Because I really didn't want to be a hindrance to anyone else getting what mm. they wanted because there was times I actually thought if I wasn't here maybe miracles would be happening because mm. I had that kind of power <laughs> like I, I got you I obviously carried that kind of power because anywhere I was miracles were not happening oh no I was the common denominator because anytime I wasn't somewhere people were not being raised from the dead or <laughs> <Just like, laughs> yeah so I'm just curious, when did you like first become involved with religion? At the age of seven, when my mom got saved. So mm. yeah, my mom was, so when I was a, a baby, my mom, my grandmother actually was a part of the reorganized church, the reorganized church of Latter-day Saints. So Ooh. it was a branch of the LDS I even yeah. found my baptism certificate. So I was baptized into that. And uh, so she she made a point of saying, we're not Latter-day Saints, but yet they use the Book of Mormon. So I don't know how that works, actually. Yeah. The cognitive dissonance of that. Wow. <laughs> I don't understand. It's like the Book of Mormon was on her coffee table, but they were reorganized. So I don't know. Maybe they weren't into multiple wives or something there but hmm. they were totally okay with 
the cousins intermarrying because a lot of my aunts and uncles were first cousins. And uh, anyway, so my mom rebelled against that and uh, she got, didn't have too much to do with that. And as a young teenager, she got pregnant with me. She actually was a teenage runaway and uh, came back pregnant with me. And then my mom and dad got married and my mom was only 17 when she had me. And then she had a couple more kids. And then one time she just got taken to a, we lived in British Columbia, here in British Columbia, Canada. And then she got invited one time and she was feeling pretty lost and suicidal and not doing real mm-hmm. well in her life. And these Christians invited her across the border into Washington state to a real Jesus people commune type thing. And she went down and got saved. The real hippie movement in the seventies. I see. Okay. So she came back and that was it. The rest is history. But she was one of those Christians that it just depended on what year you caught her. She was either totally on fire, air quotes, on fire for God, or completely backslidden. So my whole childhood, she was back and forth. It, it was a real, it was a real, my childhood was crazy. Mm. It just depended on what year you caught my mom in, whether she was, quote, living for God or living for herself. So I didn't really see a real consistent Christian walk with my mother. The belief was always there. So like when the rubber hit the road, if you had any problems, you went to God. But if it honestly depended on when you caught her, what part of her life you Mm -hmm. caught her in. So I didn't see any real consistency in it, but we believed in God. And yeah, it's really, Mm. it was no consistency. It seems like she was using religion to avoid deeper issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was like, like her last resort. Yeah. If something was just overwhelming just to give something over in a sense. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it is. And so as you got older and witnessing this, what were your feelings and beliefs about Christianity? I hate to say it, but I repeated the same pattern as she did. Mm. So I had the underlying fear of God. I didn't, I never had, I never felt the love of God or the love from God that she did. And when I would say to my mother, how do you see God as a loving father? I see him as something to be feared. And she said, no, you never had the love of an earthly father like I did. I never doubted the love from my father. And unfortunately, you didn't have that same kind of love from your father than I did. And so we paint our image of our heavenly father from what we received here from our earthly father. So I'm sorry about that. I didn't pick a good earthly father for you, but my earthly father was wonderful. So hence, I see my heavenly father as someone who's very loving. So I, so my image of God 
me personally, my image of God was someone who was very not kind, not loving, someone who was always angry with me. My mother always saw him as someone who was kind and loving because my grandpa was actually a really awesome guy. So we had completely different views of this guy in the sky, right? So she Mm -hmm. had no problem, no matter what she did, she saw him as someone kind, loving, and forgiving. No matter what I did, I always saw this guy in the sky as someone who was constantly angry and always disappointed in me. So I just always had this underlying fear, no matter what I do, I'm never going to measure up. And no matter what I do, I'm going to hell. So mm. even when I had the, I lost the belief that there was a God, I always had the belief I was going to hell. It was mm. really strange. The fear of hell was one thing I had a really hard time letting go of. And I have to say that it's only been in the last few months that's really been something I've been able to let go of. And even though the God thing, I, that was easier to let go of because I really, I just couldn't grasp that, the actual belief that there's someone there. But it was so easy to believe in burning in hell for some reason. I think it's preached yeah. more. It's really preached yeah. more. Hell, fire, and damnation is preached a lot more in the Pentecostal religion than this loving God. Mm, mm. Yeah, like it's just, it's so ingrained in your mind. And I think like I relate to what you're saying. And like, again, like I don't believe in hell, but I'm still scared of it at times. Yeah. <laughs> in the back of my mind, it's just like the what if or oh my gosh like you're going yeah. there but it's just yeah. it's that religious trauma that's exactly what it just is. ingrained and that's the thing i've been trying to learn is like i cognitively or rationally not believe in it but on that trauma or emotional level or and even yeah. on a more unconscious or subconscious level like it's still in there that and I think it takes time and I'm glad that you've been able to find a way to finally like letting go and freeing yourself from that because that's the awful thing about leaving that environment is that it's teachings don't leave you it's indoctrination doesn't leave you at all until it takes a long time yeah over 50 years for me it's not gonna leave me in five months it's yeah yeah Mm. it's really odd yeah, it's been mm. really, it's really hard. Mm. There's still times where I'll wake up in the middle of the night. And I think the middle of the night's the hardest because mm. you're alone with your thoughts and it's dark. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's mm. sometimes the hardest. Mm. I suffer sometimes with insomnia, so that's. Ooh, yeah. yeah I relate so much to that. Ooh, like. For me, like sleeping pills, oof, that's how some nights I could only get to sleep. Yeah. Oof. With me, it's Gravo. We have something in Canada, Gravo. I think you'd have called it Dramamine in the US. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm yeah. popping those things just to get drowsy, but if I fall asleep, it doesn't keep me asleep, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It's been really nice to have my daughter walking through this with me going through this together even though we didn't start out together I had no idea that 
this was happening. It was amazing when she came mm-hmm. to me and told me. She didn't know that I felt this way for a really long time, but I tested the waters a few times with her and asking her, so when you pray, do you expect an answer? And she's like, yep. Yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, so I would just retreat and say, okay, that's not going to work. Yeah, I, yeah, so I just didn't really, and I tried with my now ex-husband a couple of times. I said to him, I really don't think I believe in God. And he just jumped all over me. You can't say that. We're Christian. Like, so I just didn't know what to do. Uh, but I, it was so great when Stacy came to me. That took a lot of courage on her part. But mm-hmm. every time I hear her tell her story, she said she knew no matter what she said that I would love her and accept her. Uh-huh. I'm happy about that because obviously I did something right. <laughs> oh, no. I, yeah, I'm glad she had that sense of connection and safety that she could do that. And I do want to just backtrack just a little yeah. bit. Something you had said earlier. I am so sorry about like how, and and I've heard this before too. Which is just it's interesting to me how people talk about like their relationship with their father affects their view of God, and it's sad because I've seen that used to dismiss a lot of people's experiences. I was like, oh well, that's just the reason. And to me, it's okay. This God is all powerful. He can't overcome these different attachment styles that happen early on or yeah. that connection. Yeah. Like why? And and like I did I related to what you're saying because that judgment, because of that own experience with your own father. Right. Have you felt like that people have tried to dismiss your experiences or has, I hate the whole you weren't a real Christian bullshit. That oh. just pisses me off so much i have not had that my daughter has but i have not because i was not a member of a church for years i stopped going to church years ago my husband and i owned a business where we had to work on sundays a lot so we just i just never went to church and even though my husband my ex-husband calls himself a christian he's never wanted to really attend church which i found really funny and ironic yes and he never reads his bible the christians are the worst for knowing bi- their bible they just it's let the, true. the preacher stand up and preach to them and cherry pick verses and everybody knows john three sixteen and the 23rd psalm the lord is my shepherd that's it that's it anyway but no i haven't i haven't had anybody try that crap with me. I had someone quite close to me say that about my daughter. And I jumped right down their throat (laughs) because I said, no one was closer to God than my daughter. I didn't know anyone who was stronger in their faith than my daughter. It's just a load of shit. Like I, it just pisses me off Hmm. because my as far as I'm concerned, my daughter put too much into Christianity. It almost literally drove her crazy trying to be perfect. And that's just a cop-out. 
that's a cop-out because when someone wakes up and gets out of the cult, they're just mad at you for it. They're just mad at you. And as far as I'm concerned, they put that scripture in that book just to cover their bases. Like they, mm-hmm. they just did it just to cover their bases for the people who woke up. So there's that. It's just in the instruction manual to cover that one. <laughs> so someone figured, okay, somebody's going to wake up. They're going to figure out this is all a load of shit. So let's get that one in there. So we have something to throw at them when they wake up. Mm. Period. End of story. I'm yeah. tired of that. And there's one particular person who's really thrown that one at my daughter publicly. And I know that she mentioned it in her interview with you. And that woman, her name runs with nasty. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. If she ever listens to this, she knows who she is. I'd like to Mm. be alone in a room with her. He's a biatch. I hope (laughs) she hears this. Oh, her. Wow. Yeah, you got your mouth hanging open there, Stace, in the back of the room here. I love it. She's a horrible, nasty person. And if she's Christian, is supposed to mean the word Christ like. And if Christ actually did walk this earth, and if that's his representative, they can have that shit and stick it up their asses. <laughs> they can have it. I love my, my daughter's the nice, sweet, you know, I love BFF atheist. I'm the angry atheist. I'm so fucking done with all of those Christians who hide behind their little nicety nices. I'm so over it all. They mm. called out my daughter and her family publicly on YouTube and went, Oh, oops, that wasn't supposed to happen. Fuck that. Yeah. They're yeah. You looking- have. Oh. Yeah, you have every right to be angry, and it's so valid. So, yeah, please let it out. Oh, my God. If I was my daughter, I'd have been on the phone with a lawyer the next day saying cease and desist. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, Yeah, no. I went (laughs) online and did a review of the church, and I think it was like immediately they made sure they finished their What's it called when they their excommunication was done? They made sure they finished it that following Sunday because they'd been dragging it out and dragging it out and dragging their mm-hmm. excommunication. They'd been just dragging it out for months. And as yeah. soon as I did, I finally, I was so done. I thought the only thing I can do is go online and do a review of the church. And as soon as I did it, that following Sunday, they finished the excommunication. They stopped dragging it mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And so for people listening, could you explain again how that process was like and all that they did? Yeah, she was part of a Reformed church. And when you become a member of a Reformed church, you literally join a cult. And when you join a cult, you don't just get to walk away like you do from a Pentecostal church. Mm -hmm. Stacy's still friends with people from her old Pentecostal church. They're nice Mm -hmm. enough people that they... They really don't, I don't think they, they don't do anything with ill intent, but this church that she joined is literally a cult and you don't just get to walk away free and clear. They make sure they drag you through a process and it's basically to freak the people out who are still sitting there in the pews because they want to make sure no one else does this. 
So they went through a process through months, publicly shaming my daughter and her family. And they didn't do it every Sunday. They did it over months and months, publicly shaming them, basically divorcing them publicly. And they did it on YouTube and broadcasted it. So Mm. I'd had enough. And I went on. The only thing I could do publicly was go on Google and review them. And I called the the pastor, a cult leader. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I called the cult leader and said, don't go into this place unless you want to join a cult. And yeah. So as soon as I did that, that Sunday, they finished the process. Mm. And every, every other review is, was put on by a member. And I pointed that out on my review. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know all the specifics of what you wrote in that review? Because I'm really curious. All the specifics of the review? <laughs> Let me see. Yeah. <laughs> I did it a while ago and I don't have a great memory. I'll look it up for you. Ask me another question while I do this. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. So explain to me a bit more what were some more of the teachings of this cult once you got into it. Oh, the teachings, basically, that's the, okay, that's the one that Stacy joined. I didn't even go to that church. She asked me if I wanted to go, and I'm like, hell no. <laughs> Hold on, let me see here. Okay, want me to read it to you? I wrote, I have absolutely nothing nice to say about this establishment. Unlike the people that attend here, including the person that takes care of their social media. I know that if you have nothing nice to say, it's best to say nothing at all. Fair warning. If you become a member here, then you decide to leave. You run the risk of being shamed publicly on YouTube, no less. Please find somewhere else to worship if you're seeking a new church. All of this is true. Nothing stated here is false. I can see since posting my review, people that I know are members of this cult have posted reviews. How serious are we supposed to take reviews of members? I'm not a member, past or present. However, I have been sitting on the sidelines watching my daughter and her family as they attempt to defect from this cult. In the process, I have witnessed the leader of the cult Name not only my daughter and her husband, but all three of my grandsons from his Mm. altar on YouTube. He has resorted to name-calling, referring to them as evil and wayward. The definition of wayward. Difficult to control or predict because of unusual or perverse behavior. So the fact they get a five-star review from current members is questionable at best. Good. After I posted that, they finished divorcing my daughter's family. Oh, yeah. I definitely understand, like, when... I mean, it's a natural tendency, of course, to defend people who attack your family like that. It's oh. natural because you care. You care so much. And it makes me so angry to then go after your grandchildren and after Stacy's children. They're bringing them into it. calling... That my grandchildren's parents perverse, yeah, no, yeah. and you're right, like it's all about the control, it's yeah. public humiliation, public shaming, so all the members know this is what's going to happen when exactly, you leave. 
And, and as Stacey oh. stated publicly many times, it wasn't for their benefit. It was for the benefit of all the other cult members sitting mm-hmm. there. Yeah, because if they actually did actually really care, they would try to have meet with you outside yeah. of that crappy establishment. And yes. <laughs> hear and hear yeah. their side in everything. Yeah. And and see what they could do to actually help or care yeah. instead yeah. of making it as hard as possible to leave. Yeah. And, or going mm. on Twitter and being a biatch yeah Mm, anyway so back to me i'm sorry (laughs) no don't be sorry i'm being facetious (laughs) love it you did ask if i'd had any problems with anyone i've the only personal issue that i have had actually truly and heartbreakingly is my son my son when he was about 13 or 14, he decided he wanted nothing to do with the church. He went on a, a trip with the pastor and his family. And when he got back from the trip, I guess he witnessed behavior from the pastor that he found unbecoming of a pastor. And it just broke his heart. And he said, none of this is real. I don't want anything to do with it. And I said, okay. And I didn't make him go to church from then on because I already had doubts. So I wasn't going to make him go to church. But my fear his whole life was him going to hell. That was all I cared about was him not going to hell. So every so often I would say to him, okay, but if the rubber hits the road and someone like puts a gun to your head and says, do you believe? Just make sure you say yes. That's all I care about, right? That's all I cared about. And he said, don't worry, mommy. If that's what it comes down to, I do believe. That's all I cared about because that's all they tell you in church, right? As long as you believe, you're saved. So that's all I ever wanted from him was just as long as you believe, I don't care. Do whatever you want. And my daughter used to be like, that just doesn't seem fair. (laughs) Here I am being perfect. And he's going to get to go to heaven and he's doing whatever the heck he wants to do. But that's all. That's what we were taught, though. That's what we were taught. And she was right. It didn't seem fair, but that's the way it was. So his whole life, he did whatever he wanted. And I loved him unconditionally. And I loved my daughter. And I used to tell my daughter, stop being so hard on yourself. Try to be a little bit more like your brother. Loosen up. And so... Just over a year or so ago, my daughter and I tell my son, you were right. We were wrong. And now he's mad at us. Oh, no. He's mad at us because now we agree with him. Figure that out. (laughs) Figure that out. Now, if someone came to you after all these years and said, hey, guess what? You were right. I was wrong. What would you say? I feel like in that situation, I would be relieved that, oh, you're finally out. Oh, thank goodness. Let's talk about it. Let's. Yeah. And just, wow. So how do you feel like hopefully maybe he can move past that? I hope so. But Mm. if anything, months go by and he got angrier and we're to the point now where we are estranged. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I am too. I am too. But it got to the point where every time we would talk, he was angrier and angrier. And every conversation became about him. 
And Mm. do you know how hard it was for me? And I'm like, no, actually I don't because we loved you no matter what kind of crap you did. And it's the truth. He could Mm -hmm. drag his drunk butt home and I'd carry him to bed. No matter what he did, we just loved him. Yeah. No matter what he did, we just loved him. And now I'm sorry. You were right. I was wrong. And you're mad at me. Yeah. I don't get it. People's psychology can be (laughs) so confusing. Yeah. And so interesting in that situation but i hope that he can work through those internal struggles yeah and there is something deeper going on there that i hope he can maybe go to therapy i hope so too to work I don't think through he's living in thailand he moved to thailand pre-covid and he hasn't come back since oh and he he just has a different lifestyle he I don't know. I just don't know. I just, I think the fact that for my entire life, I lived being a people pleaser. I was the eldest of a single mom. So I looked, I basically raised my brother and my sister. Then I started having, I had my kids really young. And for the first time in my entire life, I've just decided I'm gonna, I just turned 59 last week. And so the first time in my life, I want to start doing things that make me happy. And I've stopped saying yes to everyone else when I don't want to. And Mm -hmm. I finally just told them, I said, I'm sorry. I have to be happy for myself for once. And I can't keep apologizing, especially for things that I don't even, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I just can't, I can't just have someone who's angry all the time. I, I can't deal with the anger. Yeah, Um, I did my best to show him that I loved. And what's interesting is all I ever heard from him was, I love you. You were an awesome mom. And I'm so grateful that you loved me no matter what. And then as soon as I told him I agreed with him, all of a sudden, you have no idea how hard it was for me. So it's... Mm. I don't understand and I can't even pretend to understand until we can have an intelligent conversation. I can't fix anything that I didn't know was broken. So that's the only relationship. That's the only person. That's the only person who's made it hard for me. Even my own mother, who's still in all the crazy church, the craziness, even she's accepted me. Oh, so yeah. That that would have been the one person I thought would have been, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Even she's okay with it. So I don't um, get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, I'm so sorry. I know. I'm sure that's yeah. so hard. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't, I really don't know what to say. I, I like I said, I can't fix what I didn't know was broken. So yeah. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. And for you in your journey, you said that you felt like you always had doubts. So were there moments of, I know, like you said in the beginning, like just so frustrated 
during like praise and worship, but were there other moments where you're like, I can't take this anymore? Yeah, many. There were so many. The year I turned 30 is was the first year I remember verbally saying out loud in a room to myself, do I really believe because I believe or do I believe because this is a way I was raised? And that was the first time I really started to question. And I talked myself out of it. And how I talked myself out of it was, oh, I really believe in hell. So if I believe in hell, then I have to believe in heaven. Because you can't have one without the other. It's so weird. Yeah. And so I talked myself out of it. And every so often I would go through that again. Okay, do I really believe because I believe or do I believe because this is the way I was raised? And there was one, there was a specific incident that happened that really caused me to just be like, this is all a bunch of crap. That We were living here in this town. My kids were little. And there was a guy that was here visiting from Louisiana, not visiting. He was here having meetings revival meetings years of revivals oh my gosh we constantly needed reviving because we were always dying anyway he had miracle meetings and i remember him saying come tomorrow night expecting your miracle tomorrow's the night the miracles are going to happen whatever it is you want physical healings are going to happen and i have had to wear glasses since i was nine years old And my sight is really bad. I can't see without my glasses. I believe, like I have never believed for anything in my entire life, Andrew, that Mm -hmm. my sight was going to be healed. I was going to see 2020. So I went to that meeting. We lived in Vernon and the meetings were 40 minute drive away in Kelowna. And we were going every night that week. My mom was driving. My kids, I think, were about five and two. And so I knew by the time I drove home that night, I wasn't going to need my glasses. So I went and I honestly, with my entire heart and every fiber of my being, believed that my sight was going to be healed. This was it. Like I believed it. Like I believe I'm going to draw my next breath right now. And I went to that meeting. I went up for, to the altar for prayer. And obviously My sight was not healed. And I just remember driving home back to Vernon that night with my mom. And I just remember riding in the car thinking, this is all crap. And that was really, so I was 25. I was Mm. 25 at that point. And it, That was when I really knew it was all crap. 25 years old. And yet I still spent how much longer in it because I was in this bubble. And there was no way out. My mom, she was the church prophetess. Like my mom was the one in every service. She's Mm -hmm. the one who prophesied. She's the one everyone went to. She was the strong Christian woman. My mom was the woman of God everywhere we went. So I had nobody I could talk to. 
I just remember riding home in the backseat of her station wagon with my kids, one on either side of me, and just quietly just crying in the back of the car. What is this? What is this crap? Like, and then on the other hand, thinking in the back of my mind, it must be me. There must be something Uh... wrong with me. Even though I believed so wholeheartedly, there had to be something wrong with me that God wouldn't have healed me. This is my fault. It's yeah. There's something. There's got to be some hidden sin because that's the other thing they give you. If you didn't get your miracle, there's something wrong with you. There's a hidden sin, something you haven't confessed. Because they fill you with that too. The blame is never on God. It's on you. It's just Mm. so much garbage that there was a few times when my kids were little that I was so close to a nervous breakdown. Uh. Yeah. Yes. All the victim blaming is just maddening and it's a way to deal with their cognitive dissonance because it's a formula that's supposed to work. It's supposed to be the answer when it doesn't. Yeah. And it doesn't fit their narrative in their minds. They're like, Oh, we have to prioritize our dogma over this person. It's more important. We have to explain or blame to protect our own beliefs and our own cognitive dissonance. Instead of caring. We have not even touched on the fact that I'm a, survival survivor of childhood sexual abuse Mm. and so i carried a lot of that with me and it was at the hands of my mom's second husband and he was my stepdad and the first person that i told about it it was about six years after it happened i was nine so i was 16 when i told my grandmother And uh, you carry so much with that. Yeah. A lot of, for some weird reason, a lot of blame. You blame yourself. I don't know how, but you blame yourself. And uh, when you, when I did come out and finally tell my mom, it was a few years after I told my grandma. And my mom's response was, oh, I know your grandmother already told me. Oh, that was her response. Okay. And then my stepfather was not in our lives at that point. He hadn't been since we were quite young because my mother had taken us and we'd gone into hiding. We had to actually hide from him at one point. Oh, wow. We'd run. We'd changed our names. We were living under assumed names in a different province. There's a whole other background story to that. But as adults, we reconnected and he was my, he is, was, he's dead now, but he was my brother and sister's father. And my brother didn't know about this at the time. And we went and spent a Christmas with this man. And I went for my brother's sake and my brother did not know so this is not Mm -hmm. my brother's fault but i went and spent a christmas 
And I said nothing to anyone. And then when I went home, I said to my mom, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I never want to do that again. And you know what my mother said to me? You're such a good girl for not rocking the boat. Uh. (laughs) And then years and years later, I said to my mother, I said, you really owe me an apology for all the crap you put me through and the circumstances that you put me in because she knowingly put me in a lot of dangerous situations and there's ways that she did that that I won't get into right now. And do you know what she said to me? You have to forgive me because God has forgiven me. And then a few weeks later, she came to me and said, I'm sorry, I do owe you an apology because her then husband said, no, Dee's right. You do owe her an apology because he told her she owed me apology. She apologized to me. It meant nothing mm. to me at that point because wow. it was just so messed up. Wow. Yeah. I'm so sorry you went yeah, through all no, of that. I'm, I'm through all, all of that, but it just gives yeah. you a little bit of background on just a lot of the crap mm-hmm. and how just being in the cult and being in everything, just how it all can just pile up on you and how you, and like when I got to the point at 25, when I realized this is all a load of crap, but I'm still in the bubble. So back to the backseat of the car where everything is just collapsing around me. And I'm thinking my eyesight didn't get healed. This is all a load of crap. But where do I go from there? My mother's driving the car. She's one of the leaders in this cult, as far as I'm concerned, because she's looked up to so much in the church that we were members of. I had nowhere to go. She led the Bible study. I didn't hang around with anyone who wasn't in the cult. I had no friends that weren't Christians. So really, I really had nowhere to go. We lived in this town that we're living in now and it's a small town and we're living here again and we still really don't know anyone here it's just not a place where you really make a lot of friends people are very well established here and in their friendships and our whole community is online at this point yeah it's a great community the atheist community it is it really is and I don't feel like we're missing out on anything by not really knowing people here. It's a real Bible belt, to be honest. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. At one point, we were the church per capita, capital of Canada here in Vernon. So you choose your church, you got it. It's here. (laughs) Oof. Yeah. Oof is right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so... As you got into your 30s, how was your experience with religion then? Because 25, the realization, but again, it's your whole world. You have nothing else, are your connections, friends, family. So like 30s and like forward, what was that wow. journey like? In my 30s, at that point, I was in an extremely abusive marriage mm-hmm. and it was not going well. It was a very dark time. It just wasn't going well at all. And uh, I got out of that marriage at 37. And then when I did get out of that, I ended up married 
to my last husband, who was the Christian, the one who wouldn't let me talk to him about not believing in God. And that marriage lasted 18 years. And we didn't really attend church because we were business owners that kept us out of church on Sundays. So that was good because I was able to clear my head. And that's when I was going through my deconstruction. And I had a really convenient reason for not being in church. Mm -hmm. And my kids were coming into adulthood. And my daughter was, she was going to church on her own. And she got married. And my son was living his own life, going to nightclubs and doing his thing and doing what he wanted. And I was doing my thing and just running a business with my husband. And we were all Christian in name only at that point, as far as I was concerned. But really, Christianity was just a label at that point. So I was able to just, if you asked me if I was a Christian, the answer was yes. Did I really believe? No. No. But it was a convenient and politically correct answer. Yes. And so flash forward to the point, what were the steps that led up to Stacy finally coming to you with these questions and her doubts and her atheism? She went through it about every couple of years and she danced the final time she danced around it a little bit with me (laughs) (laughs) okay I moved here a few months before she did and I had really deconverted and deconstructed the few months I was here on my own because I had just gotten out of my marriage moved here and I was loving life and then they bought a house here and I was really dreading them moving here because she wanted me to go check out some churches before she got here. And I was like, Oh fuck. I do not (laughs) want to do this. What the hell? So I went to a couple being the dutiful Nana slash mommy. And I went and I'm like, Oh my God, no. But I went and I really didn't want them to move here because I thought now I'm going to have to start going to church. There's no excuse. I don't own a business anymore. Sundays are free. And oh, I really loved my life here. I had freedom and I was independent. And then she moved here and we went a couple times and I was like, this is so awful. And then I started dating. I was dating <laughs> and uh, it was really funny because I joined a couple dating sites and I was one day I was standing here in her kitchen and I said to her, there's not really a lot of Christian guys on these dating sites. And she's, you don't really have to date just Christians. And I was like, what? I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what? Cause I was already mm-hmm. dating non-Christians and I just didn't tell her. I even had an, I even made a date with a, a straight up atheist. Like I'm an atheist. The first guy ever that his thing said atheist. And I wanted to go out with an atheist just because I wanted to see, do they actually have horns and a tail? Or I really wanted to pick his brain. And he actually was a nice guy. And we were friends for a while until I found out he was really depressing. 
but he just, that had nothing to do with being atheist. He was just really depressing. Anyway, and I was like, oh, okay. Anyways, I went out with a few guys and, but she gave me her stamp of approval to date non-Christians, which I found really interesting. But when she had dated, I didn't want her to date guys who were from the church because they were weird. And so I'd already given her my stamp of approval when she was dating. I didn't want her to date Christians because they were straight up strange. Anyway, so here we were. The roles were reversed now. I'm dating. She's married. And she's saying, don't date Christians, which I was already doing, right? I'll never forget. Stacey, I'm going to tell them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. For those that don't know, Stacey's sitting in the back of the room here. So we're out driving one day, and I had already started. I was actually dating this one guy, and I remember she was. Unbeknownst to me, she and my son-in-law had this conversation and he's, yeah, I'm going to tell him she, he's okay. I really hope your mom doesn't like, feels like she just has to get married. I hope your mom just has sex and doesn't get married. And she's, oh no, my mom would never do that. Ooh. Yeah. So we're out driving in the car one day and we're going to pick up the boys at an after school program. And she was dancing around the subject of how weird Christians were. And it was on the whole COVID thing and conspiracy theories. And she was just wanting to straight up say she's had it with Christians because they were like, they were freaking her out. She was done with Christianity, right? Yeah. And I wanted to be like, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. And I was done with that already, but I didn't tell her that. So she's trying to tell me I'm done with Christianity. And I wanted to tell her, Stacy. Yeah. Okay. So she's driving the car. She's driving. I might've should have waited to she parked the car. So she's telling me that she thinks Christians are weird. And all of a sudden, Andrew, I just blurred out Stacy. I'm having sense. And she rolls down her window and had to stick her head out the window and start breathing in fresh air. (laughs) She had to pull the car over into the parking lot. She's hyperventilating. And I'm like, yeah, I'm having sex. And I really like it. <laughs> we end up pulling into the parking lot of where she has to pick the boys up, and she's seriously like, she's all verklempt. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Anyways, so we have this conversation, and we pick up the boys. She drives them home, and apparently, she gets home at four o'clock in the afternoon. I leave, and she walks in the house, and her husband's working on the kitchen. She walks in and pours herself a big glass of wine, and she's gulping down this wine. And her husband, Brian, doesn't even ask her why. She's, my mom's having sex. And he's, oh, good for mommy. (laughs) Okay, this is just a perfect scene out of some kind of like sitcom or something. Oh, my God. I can't hear you. Oh, what happened? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Okay. I'm not sure why it like. You got me back. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. 
So he's, oh, good for mummy. And that was it. And he just carried on doing her thing. And she's like drinking down this wine at four in the afternoon. It was five o'clock in Alberta. It was perfect. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I told her. It was perfect. It makes the best story ever. I'll never forget her rolling down her window and sticking her head out the window for fresh air. And the way I was just like, I gripped the car seat and I'm just like, Stacy, I'm having sex. <laughs> because I had seriously never had sex with anyone but someone I was married to. And it was amazing, Andrew. <laughs> Good for you. And I'm, I'm continuing happy. to. Yes. yes. So there I mean, you go. Honestly, yeah, good. Like most definitely, I think. That purity culture is... Oh, purity culture bites. Oh. Yeah, it's so, so yeah. ingrained. Okay, so what I... Yeah, so one of the reasons it was like so major for me was... I'm, and I'm just, I don't think my ex-husband will ever listen to this. He doesn't listen to anything that has to do with atheism because he's pretty sure it's a sin. He doesn't listen to mm-hmm. anything Stacey does just because she has the label atheist now. He's a sweet man and we're still really good friends. But we were married 18 years and it was pretty much completely a celibate marriage so mm. that was it's pretty amazing to have an active life now oh okay there's so much i want to ask about that but i don't ask. know if i should go ahead ask away i opened the door walk through an andrew <laughs> why was that a celibate marriage okay At the beginning, I welcomed it because the marriage I had just come out of was extremely abusive in that area. I had Mm -hmm. no choice. So, yeah, that I had no choice. So the first couple of years, I was very okay with it not being active. I needed time to heal. But beyond that, that was his choice, not mine. And I think he was very wounded, I think, from his past I think there was issues on his end. My husband is a survivor of the residential schools. Oh, and my so he he says that nothing happened to him. So I I take him at his word, but he may have even been a witness to abuse. Yeah. So whatever he may have witnessed, I think has affected him greatly. Yes, witnessing abuse is traumatic and And he is the sweetest most kindest he's the nicest person i've ever known in my life and we ended up just living more as best friends and he's just kind and just sweet and we literally we may as well just been i may as well just been living with a girlfriend like we were best friends we never argued we huh. never fought. We There was never an unkind word spoken between us. But I lived 18 years with my best friend. Mm. So it was just a non-sexual union. Yeah, so, but you have needs. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the first couple of years, I was fine with it because I really needed time to heal from the previous eight or 10 years. I don't remember how long that marriage was. I could sit down and do the math, but it was a long time and it was extremely abusive and it mm. was horrible. Yeah. And so I really appreciated the healing time, but then I was like, okay, I'm good now. Yeah. But he's, I still, my 
current ex-husband and I, we are so kind to one another. We end every phone call and text message still with, I love you. I love you too. So there are no hard feelings in that arena. Yeah. Um, I will never say an unkind word against him, but there was yeah. no mm. physical relationship with him. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I guess for people listening, when you said residential treatment program, for people listening. school. He's from the native schools. They were taken from their families here oh. in Canada. Oh my God. That yeah. So- he's native uh-huh. and they were taken from the reserves and they Ooh. were stripped of their identity. They didn't want them. They wanted them to forget their native languages and each school was run by a different church, either the Catholic church, the United church, and his was run by the United church. And they were abused and murdered here in Canada. They're digging up the graves of hundreds of children, babies, children. The atrocities are just Mm. monstrous. Yeah. Many were sexually abused. They were beaten. They were emotionally abused the abuses there's a lot of podcasts you can find out there on the abuses done here in canada i'm sure it was the same in the united states but here Mm. especially even in the area where my ex-husband was raised oh the atrocities were just horrendous like i said he says he was never sexually abused but many of his family members and extended family members were, but even the things he witnessed could have caused yeah. him a lot of damaged damage. And even just being taken from his mother oh, and yeah. only being allowed to see her at Christmas and summer. And one Christmas he wasn't even picked up and taken oh. home. He remembers being all dressed and waiting to be picked up and no one showed up to come and get him. Mm. And so having to spend Christmas alone and that just breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. It was just awful. Yeah. I'm sorry he went through all of that. And thank you for explaining because I I wasn't hundred percent sure because I know there's residential treatment centers, but you said residential schools in Canada, which I've sadly heard. Yeah. Yeah. And he spent his, yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Just Mm. terrible. The things that he's witnessed and yeah, but he, he's in many ways a success story because he never, he's never dealt with substance abuse. He went on to become a very successful businessman and Mm -hmm. done great things with his life, but he started out with a lot of strikes against him, but like I said, and he married me when I had a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old, and he treated them like his own children. They still love him. They still mm-hmm. call him Papa. Stacy and him are very close, and he and my son are close. They're not even his kids, but he loved them. So I have nothing bad to say about him, but we did not have a typical marriage. He just mm-hmm. took great care of us. And Yeah. 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 And back to your deconversion with Stacy. Yeah. After that car ride and she's oh, like dealing with yeah. it and all that. How was y'all's relationship going forward? Great. We you didn't think we could get any closer. We did. Mm-hmm. We're just 
it's great because really there's no subject off limits with us. We mm-hmm. talk about everything and it's, it's great because she's, I've got three really close friends, Stacy, my best friend, Jules in Australia. And I've got another best friend, Eric, who lives in Vancouver. The three of them, I can talk to the three of them about everything. And I love them all in different ways, but yeah, I just, Stacy is my rock and yeah, we, I don't know. It's brought us because she and I, we've been through the cult together. (laughs) So we can say certain things, like we can joke about certain things. Something will happen, like a coincidence, okay? And we can look at each other and go, isn't God great? God's so wonderful. And then laugh, ironically. And it's just things like that. Other people would be like, what the heck are you talking about? But we can talk that Christianese and be silly and yeah. know we're only joking. Mm. But And we can have a down day and know we're not under attack from the enemy. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Oh my God, Andrew. I know you know. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, the hypervigilance. Yeah. Of believing in that, in that spiritual warfare. Yeah. And just always being on high alert, always yeah. monitoring your thoughts, always oh trying to do God. all these religious rituals. And yeah, I know Stace, like, I was so glad that Stacy reached out to me so we could collaborate on a post That's about. True. Oh, I love her too. (laughs) And love you too. And we did a post on scrupulosity OCD. And it's something I had never really, maybe a slightly mentioned it in some interviews of just the, at least the excessive prayer all the time. Just so worried. And yeah. And it's something that I just, I don't know, didn't think about again because I don't really struggle with that anymore. But she reached out. She's, have you struggled with this? And reading it and like, oh, yes. Yeah. And just the fear that they instill with you to do all these rituals to be right with God or keep clean from sin or make sure the devil like is away from you or whatever. It's just this state. And it's really is all about that mind control. Just every aspect. Yeah. Every aspect of yourself and your mind. But yeah, I was glad we were able to educate people on ocd and that that subset of it and like toxic religion and how i think certain people are more susceptible because of their personality type or because of who they are and yeah and it seems she was five she was washing her hands till they were raw five oh oh, wow yeah Mm. it was crazy and just like even at five years old already getting into that it's just, mm. I don't know how many times I would tell her, just be more like your brother, let things mm. roll off your back. And my son would say, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect like Stacy. And I'm like, Lance, Stacy is the freak. You're normal. You need to just stop saying you would, sorry, you're not more like Stacy. I relate more to you than I do to Stacy. Stop mm. it. Yeah. You know, it's, mm. it's just sad. I feel sad that he thinks he had to measure up to her. And I wasn't even doing that with him. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I've got another young man in my life that he's the same age as my son that 
he's just amazing. He's, uh, he is just, I don't know. He's, I've wanted him and my son to be friends and they are. And I was always hoping that he would just, he would be an addition in our family and he is, but I, I want, I want us all to be a family together. And now it's just like, my son has just removed himself from the family. And I, I don't know. I just, I know I keep coming back to my son. I'm sorry, but it's just why I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully through time, he can hopefully do some inner work and be open to at least a civil conversation. I hope so. Yeah. And I hope that he just doesn't avoid those issues through yeah. different substances or different activities and things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And no, so. be an issue. Yeah. And so for you, as you officially like really come out as atheist and with your daughter and going through all the crap that she had to go through also and see that what has life been like away from that environment? Life. I've never been happier in most areas. I feel free, Mm. joyful. It's been amazing in some areas and in other areas it's been really tough because I didn't get divorced because of my beliefs. My divorce was caused for other reasons. I've got a lot of other stressors on my life. So I just wish other things were settled. Yeah. I just wish other things were different. It's hard. Yeah. I feel really happy in some areas and other areas. I just, I still got a lot of stress. Yeah. I'm ready to just, things aren't great. Mm. For the first time I'm able to really be myself. So that's good. It feels good to be able to meet people and be the real me. So that's good. I have to say that I don't have to pretend that I, I'm not who I don't have to pretend that I believe in some guy in the sky. So that's Mm -hmm. nice. I just wish other areas were a little easier and they're not. So Mm. yeah, I'm not happy that my marriage ended. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's all I can say really about that. Yeah. It is a complicated thing coming out of that. And the thing that's frustrating is that if you show signs of your life being imperfect, Christians will just point to be like, huh, if you're a religion, it would be, but which is actually bullshit that yeah. as I've talked with other people, they're like, there are some, there are a lot of things really that it's just part of being human and we can't yeah. bypass that. We yeah. can't, there's no magic pill or magic formula that can make us bypass these experiences. We just have to, develop the skills that we can and find the support that we need and the resources. And that was the thing that bugged the shit out of me was like people using prayer as an excuse to not do anything. 
just sit on their yes. asses and not do anything. Exactly. How many times you you sit with a Christian fan and you'd say, here's what's going on. Oh, I'll pray for you. I'm like, no, you won't. No, you won't. I know you won't. Yeah, no. Yeah. What I honestly and truly, Andrew, I've never been in love. I want to be in love. There, mm. I said it. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. what I'm missing. That's what I'm really missing. Yeah. That deeper human connection. Yeah, I really want that. I really want that. I want to be in love and I want to truly be loved by somebody once and for all. Yeah. That's what I'm missing. That's it. So, yeah, there, I said it on your show. (laughs) How do you like that? Yeah, thank you for your vulnerability. Yeah. And it, it is so difficult to go through life not finding that deeper connection yeah. or that that really unconditional love which yeah. we're told oh that we can get which is we told we can get oh. it through god but yeah i don't no. think so they list no. other conditions there are so many like, conditions <laughs> they have at least 10 of them carved out in stone somewhere <laughs> which aren't bad we really shouldn't kill people but <laughs> yeah I, I was wondering about that i was like oh no yeah. <laughs> but i know what you mean though. yeah i know yeah. what you mean yeah but yeah i'll tell you something i said to one of my friends jules i said to her i'm really worried because i i know i haven't ever really been in love and i don't know if i'm capable of it and she said mm-hmm. you know what d she she knows my history And she said, true love, like I have with my husband, it's come about over a course of more than two decades. And she said, true love comes by going through things together. It Mm. really grows. It doesn't come just because you say, yes, I do. I will marry you. That's not where true love comes from. It comes through going through the shit. It comes through Mm -hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly. And she said, every time you have come to the bad and the ugly, the men you've been with have bolted. And that's exactly true. Okay. That's true. I've not been the one to say we're done. The horrible one. Yes. The horrible one I had to get out of because otherwise I might not have got out with my life. But the good, the bad and the ugly They've been the ones to say, no, I'm pulling up stakes. I'm done. And so I haven't had the opportunity to let that true, awesome, wonderful, head over heels love. So when she pointed that out to me, I said, okay, yeah, she's right. Because here all this time I've been thinking, I'm the one with the shortcoming. Uh, Maybe this is me. And when she pointed that out, that really helped me because I was starting to think it was something wrong with me. And uh, yeah, so it, it really helped. Her words really helped me because mm. I didn't end my last marriage, even though I think it was a really great favor he gave me by saying, we need to just end this. Because I would have stayed out of pure commitment and out of mm-hmm. pure friendship just to stay with him because he was such a mm-hmm. good person. And yeah. I would have just because he's just so sweet. 
but the going got tough and he said, it's time to get going. (laughs) Yeah. And then my kid's dad was just, we were young. We were really young and he was just like, I just don't really want to be married or be a dad. But uh, yeah, so I haven't had that opportunity. So hopefully I've got another couple or three decades left on this earth. I think I have time for that. So I'm hoping I find that with someone of good quality and good substance. I think I want that. I don't necessarily want to get married, but I think I do want to find someone that would be willing to settle with me. Not settle Mm. for me, but settle with me. Yes. I love that distinction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, And like, I'm, I'm glad that you're able to recognize that now and be able to seek that and i'm sorry it did take so long yeah but i hope that when you get towards the end of your life that you'll be able to look back be like yes a lot of shit that I, I happened and i went through so yeah. much but i was able to finally find it later on in life or towards the yeah, end that would be really nice yeah that would be really cool that would be a nice chapter to end on eventually hopefully not too soon yeah the ending yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so i hope this wasn't boring oh my gosh this has been an incredible (laughs) interview you've hit on so many great points and just telling your story and different aspects of your experiences and your growth and your journey and like you're seeking for that wholeness of like needs that were not met and i'm glad you're able to recognize it and seek that because a lot of people they just avoid themselves through other things and and don't deal with deeper issues so i'm glad you're here thank you of course and i'm glad you've overcome so much and are able to share your story and just thank you be of course and be so vulnerable i've enjoyed this conversation so Me much too, and i wish i could hug you you're so huggable oh, oh i wish i could hug you too <laughs> you're so sweet i just yeah i just really appreciate you and i appreciate what you're doing and i honestly i appreciate this time that you spent with me time can be Mm. the greatest gift you give people. So every time you do this with every person you sit down with, you're giving a gift that is Uh something that is irreplaceable. That's amazing. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, Yes. And as we get towards the end of this interview, is there anything else you would like to say for people who are listening? Hug at the thread. Don't be afraid to tug at the thread. If it's a teeny tiny little one, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid and ask questions. And yeah, just ask questions. And don't go to the same person you always have gone to. Go to other people. Because I made the mistake of always going to my mother. Why? I don't know. I don't know. And uh, go somewhere different and clear your head. That's what I had to do. And ultimately, that's what got my daughter out too, is going somewhere completely different and clearing her head. It's amazing what it'll do. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Change the algorithm on your YouTube. Yes. Right? Just do something completely different. It's amazing what it'll do. Yes. Everyone go listen and watch Skeptic Cave That's a great yeah. way to, yes. <laughs> to change your Skeptic algorithm. Skeptic Cave listen to Stacey on Yes. Is it Secular Soapbox? Yes. That's her show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And we're gonna we're going to do one together. We're gonna tape our introductory next week and start it in oh. April. Oh. So I'll get Stacy to send it to you because I know you don't put this up right away. So I'll make sure mm-hmm. Stacy sends it to you. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right. And I think she's gonna name it her channel's gonna be Apostasy and Company. Oh. Yeah, okay. I'll let you That's we'll exciting. let you know. Yeah, we're going to do yes. it. And we have things to say. And when we yes. start talking in the kitchen, I'm like, Stacey, people will be, be die to eavesdrop on our conversations because <laughs> we're fun and we're funny and we're serious. And mm. yeah, I can get pretty cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. She's, oh my God. she's the super sweet, nice one. And I'm like, Fuck that. I'm old enough to say what I want to say now. Yeah. And I'm I feel like, that's a perfect combination though. Yeah. Honestly. It is. Like you get to a certain age and you're like, I do not care anymore. I'm not rude, but I am so done with because I was the people pleaser. Yeah. I was the people pleaser and I'm so done with that. I'm so mm. done with it. Even yeah. when it's my own kid, I just told him. I'm done with this. You accept me for who I am, like I've done your whole life, or don't. I love you. You know that, smart enough. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be with everybody. Yeah. I love you, but don't cross me. Mm, yeah. so, and I do. I love everybody, mm-hmm. but just yeah. don't be an ass. <laughs> just be nice. Everyone would just take that advice. Don't yeah. be an ass. Just don't be, be nice. An ass. Just be nice. Yeah. <laughs> mean people suck. So, yeah. <laughs> maybe i might call that episode that don't be an ass just yeah, be nice exactly yeah. just oh my god smarten up like um, god. Yeah. i say that all the time gha god <laughs> i text that all the time to stacy <laughs> anyway yeah. thank you honey of course thank you so much yeah, for coming on the show of course yeah, and for everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. Go follow Dee on social media and also link Stacy stuff in her show. Yeah. And I'm so excited for y'all's channel. So yeah. by the time this comes out, maybe that will be out so I can it link will that be. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so people, please, yeah, link in bio for that. And I'm so excited to watch what y'all create. Yeah, Ooh. me too. Oh. We'll have wine. <laughs> <laughs> do drunk bible readings or something there you go yeah <laughs> the stuff that's in that book is sick Oof. yeah we did not but study yeah. that in sunday school no they did not Oof. Yeah. but yeah thank you everyone for listening and this was speaking up with andrew pletcher